Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa and by Stuart Weir. And on this week's show, we talk about the FIFA Club World Cup in Saudi Arabia, with African champions Al-Akhli of Egypt reaching the semi-finals again. Also, we have an interview with the 2008 African Footballer of the Year, Emmanuel Adebayor. Adebayor says that the recently crowned 2023 African Footballer of the Year, Victor Osimen, should move to the Premier League. He has showed it and done it already in, um, in Italy. I think it's, it's the right, it will be the right time for him to move to England and um, and replace his idol, who's uh, who's Drogba, and um, and do beautiful things. That's coming up later. Lots more on the English Premier League as Stewart analyses Nottingham Forest's decision to fire manager Steve Cooper and a look at the top of the table. But first, the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations is getting ever closer. Just three weeks to go to the delayed tournament in Ivory Coast starting on the 13th of January and the 24 teams have now submitted their initial squads so the European clubs are getting ready for a few weeks without their star players uh, like Liverpool with Egypt's Mohamed Salah set to be away for a few weeks and West Ham's in-form Ghanaian Mohamed Kudus too. We'll be building up to the tournament here on Planet Sport Football Africa and we'll have two major senior men's continental tournaments next year with the 2024 CHAN, the African Nations Championship, scheduled for September and Kenya, Tanzania and Uganda are set to co-host the tournament. Uh, Back in September, the three countries were awarded the rights to stage the 2027 Africa Cup of Nations and they'll also host the CHAN next year with one stadium in each country and a fourth venue in Zanzibar. All of this subject to stadium inspections. So an exciting new year ahead. Now to the FIFA Club World Cup in Saudi Arabia, which ends or ended on Friday, depending on which day you're listening to the show. The African champions, Al-Athli of Egypt, reached the semi-finals again. They beat Al-Itihad of Saudi Arabia in the quarter-finals and then lost 2-0 to Fluminense of Brazil in the semis to set up a third-place playoff with Urawa Red Diamonds of Japan. It's another solid performance from Al-Athli, Ida. Well, Steve, it was a good win, especially against Al-Etihad, because as we know, the Saudi clubs of now are quite different from those of the past. I mean, this, for example, is a club boasting of a former FIFA Ballon d'Or winner. That's Karim Benzema, whose penalty Al-Ali saved, by the way. Add the fact that at some point Al-Ali were actually 3-0 ahead. I mean, it was a pretty solid performance. On the flip side, Al-Ali are now FIFA Club World Cup veterans, Steve. I mean, no other African team in the tournament's history has played more games than Al-Ali. It's their ninth tournament. And, you know, it's only natural that at some point, one would expect that in those years, they would have reached the final because it's their sixth time overall and fourth consecutive to make the third place playoff. In comparison, it's Urawa's second time playing for the bronze. 
Yes, so Al Ahly continuing to do well in the FIFA Club World Cup. Let's catch up with the CAF Champions League now. And match day four was midweek this past Tuesday and Wednesday, except for Al Ahly's game against CR Belouez Dad of Algeria. That one's been postponed as they were at the Club World Cup. Uh, Group B is looking really fascinating with three-time champions Widad Casablanca of Morocco, bottom of the group, with just three points from four games after losing 2-0 away to Simba of Tanzania. This was Simba's first win. Uh, they're second in the group behind the leaders Asek Mimosas of Ivory Coast, who have already qualified for the quarterfinals after a 3-0 win away to Juaneng Galaxy of Botswana. In Group A, Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa are top on goal difference after a hard-fought 1-0 win away to Pyramids of Egypt. They have seven points along with TP Mazembe of DR Congo, who were 2-0 winners over Mauritania's Nouadhibou. In Group C, leaders Petro Atletico drew 0-0 at home to Esperance of Tunisia Al Hilal of Sudan drew 1-1 with Etoile du Sahel of Tunisia. So Petro Atletico top with 10 points and looking good Esperance are on 5 points Etoile du Sahel and Al Hilal on 4 points. Match day 5 is only in February, that's after the Africa Cup of Nations we're next here on Planet Sport Football Africa. Let's go back to last week's Confederation of African Football Awards ceremony held in Marrakesh in Morocco with Nigeria's Victor Osimen winning the 2023 African Footballer of the Year Award and Nigeria's Assisat Oshwala taking the Women's Award for a sixth time after a great season with Barcelona. Now, Planet Sport Football Africa's Oloeshina Okaleji was at the awards. He caught up with former Togo captain Emmanuel Adebayor, who's Africa's all-time fourth-highest scorer in the English Premier League, with 97 goals in 241 matches, behind Egypt's Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane of Senegal, and Ivory Coast Didier Drogba. Adebayor had spells at Man City, Arsenal, Tottenham and Crystal Palace, and he spoke on the lack of top African strikers in the Premier League right now and how Victor Osimen could fill that void by moving to England. He also explained how the Nigerian touched him emotionally at the awards ceremony by thanking him when he didn't think Osimen was listening to his advice. But remember as uh, as I always said is uh, one of the the best league is is the best league in the world. The Premier League is the toughest one in the in the world also. So yes, to manage and uh, you know, I remember very well when I was there. I have a uh, Drogba in uh, in Chelsea, myself in Tottenham or Arsenal. Then we have a Samuel Eto joining us at some point with uh, Chelsea and Everton. So it was beautiful. But you know, don't get it twisted. Now we have a great striker in uh, in uh, in Napoli in uh, Osimhen, and uh, we have few one obviously. Sergio Mane move out but you know we just have to believe and you know football have its own time and um, you know some people come and go and um, obviously today you will not find um, Steven Gerrard you will not find um, Frank Lampard anymore because those also were the, those were the golden generation for England and today we have an, you have another players like um, Jude Bellingham and, and, and a few other ones and um, you know, today you can tell me English team or English national team doesn't have a striker like uh, the Win Rooney who can do everything, kick, insult people, insult the referee and score goals at the same time. So, you know, yeah, but, you know, we are praying. Obviously, I'm praying for my, my, my younger brother, Osimen, to join the Premier League and, and show and show and show what he's capable of doing. He has showed it and done it already in, uh, in Italy. 
I think it's, it's the right, it will be the right time for him to move to England and um, and replace his idol, who's uh, who's Drogba, and um, and do beautiful things. It's funny you mentioned um, Osima. I wasn't going to ask you. It's how did you feel? I mean, at the award ceremony when he said thank you to my brother, big brother Emmanuel Adebayo. How did you feel? Listen, I got uh, I got emotional, right? Uh, obviously, Osima is not my generation at all. I knew him through TV, and uh, I start I start talking to him since. Um, let's say one or two years now and um, everything every time I talk to him it's about encouragement right and um, I tell him what, how, what to do what to not do uh, what time to sleep and obviously I didn't even know that he was listening I was like okay if you listen fine if you, if you don't listen fine but you know coming on a bigger stage like uh, like the Ballon d'Or of Africa Kafa was and mentioning my name and thanking me for the encouragement to be honest with you did I go emotional I'm, I'm a guy that doesn't go emotional at all but he said I didn't have a choice. I got emotional and it was even more beautiful than when I won it myself. To be honest with you, this is how big it was because when you win it or when you just come and the time I won it, I was in the moment. So for me, okay, I jumped on a flight. I went back to Arsenal because we have another game the next day or two, three days later. As him also. So he focused on something else. But what he did, it was incredible. For me, this will stay with me for life. That's the 2008 African Footballer of the Year, Togo's Emmanuel Adebayor, speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oloashina Okaleji. Uh, well, Ida, that's a fascinating interview. Uh, Adebayor feeling that uh, Ossimen could be an African star striker to set the Premier League alight and uh, also saying how pleased and humbled he is that Ossimen was listening to his advice. Absolutely fascinating, Steve. And it seems that our takeaway is similar in that it's quite something, you know, to hear a legend of Adebayo's stature be so moved by that moment. And I mean, you never know because it could be that he also saw a bit of himself in Osimen, you know, and maybe was able to relieve the moment as well, you know, now being in a different headspace because as you've heard him say there, I mean, when he was crowned, he was so focused on the next thing, on the next objective, that he didn't really take it all in, you know. And it was no small thing that Adebayo did because in his year, he beat out Egyptian legend Mohamed Abutrika, as well as Ghanaian midfielder Michael Essien to get that coveted prize. And, you know, it really could be that it was now that he was truly seeing how big and momentous the occasion really is. Either way, amazing, amazing moment. And Steve, for sure, Adebayo has been singing Osimhen's praises for a while now. For a good part of 2023, he said that the calf men's player could only really go to one person. I mean, he likened what Osimhen did at Napoli to, say, winning the French Ligue 1 with a club like Nantes. Now, not to put Nantes down, but it's certainly no PSG, you know, and it's also no secret that Napoli had really been struggling, you know, three decades without a title. And Steve, no one's impact came close to what Osimhen did in Italy. Remember, on top of the Scudetto, he also became the first African player to bag the Capona Canonieri Award given to the top scorer in the Serie A. 
Now, Steve, it's not a question really that Adebayo has the authority to speak on such topics and even give his backing, you know, because this is a man who's played at the very highest levels. We're talking Arsenal, Manchester City, Tottenham, Crystal Palace. He's had stints in other big leagues as well, like the La Liga, where he featured for Real Madrid. I mean, he's played at a World Cup. But Steve, focusing on the EPL, and when he won the CAF prize, he was at Arsenal. And the Gunners, as we know, have really been front row and center in all the awesome speculation. Them, as well as Chelsea, occasionally Man United, you know. And awesome and Steve is at a good age to to propel to the next stage. I mean, it's always a fine balancing act, right? To just bide your time perfectly and not jump into such an intense league too early and consequently burn out just as soon. You know, I mean, it's part of the reason that you're seeing the likes of Mbappe yet to join the EPL. However, 24 is a good age. I believe Mohamed Salah joined at more or less, you know, a similar age. And as we saw, he set the Premier League ablaze. Now, granted, the tempo of the Serie A is a bit slower than the Premier League. But maybe that is why it will really, really match Osimhen's pace. Yeah, thanks, Ida. I wonder if we will get to see Victor Osimhen playing in the English Premier League any time soon. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart on the English Premier League and the lack of interest in the Club World Cup in Europe. You can follow us on X at Planet Sport FA. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To get the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Let's go to social media now. Last week we asked uh, how great is Asisato Shwala as the Nigerian won the African Women's Footballer of the Year award for a record-extending sixth time last week after another great season with Barcelona. Now, another Nigerian, Perpetua Nkwacha, has won it four times. So we asked, is Oshwala the best African female player of all time and how great do you think she is? Well, we had a big response on this, uh, most are singing the praises of Oshwala. Let's start in Nigeria, where Asore says she's a hard-working lady, so dedicated, and she believes in herself. Emmanuel Fingas says she's definitely the best African player of all time, although her record can be broken, but uh, not uh, in a rush, says Emmanuel. Don Simon, also in Nigeria, says she's consistent, hard-working, and diligent. She is the best, incomparable, says Don. Uh, Noah Abdul-Salam says, uh, no doubt she's already surpassed uh, Nkwacha's success in football. Uh, But uh, Timothy Kingsley in Nigeria says, uh, uh, seriously, let's put no sentiment in this. Perpetual Nkwacha still remains the best African footballer ever. Asisat's just been lucky playing with a Barcelona team that's getting a lot of success. Remember, she played in England with two different clubs, but didn't succeed there. She's a great footballer, but not at the level of Perpetua and Quacha, says uh, Timothy. In Sierra Leone, Donald Nichols says, ah, she's a lovely footballer. And Belong Badgie in the Gambia says, Oshwala is the best so far, and she has longevity, and she will continue to reach milestones, says Belong. 
Now we had a few people getting in touch from Zambia, feeling that Barbara Banda should have won this year's award ahead of Oshwala. Isiwale says that yeah, no doubt Oshwala is good and creative, but I think Barbara Banda deserved to be the best female player of the year.、Uh, she has more goals、uh, both at club level and at national team level.、Uh, Joe Rashford in Zambia says, for me, it should have gone to Barbara Banda. It was not fair at all. Uh, however, most felt that Oshwala deserved it in Botswana. Letumile Patrick Kogogobi says she's just amazing, a dominant and strong striker. And in Guinea, Conor Cree Ahmed Yusuf Ahmed says Oshwala is the finest player in Africa, no doubt about that. Playing for Liverpool, Arsenal in China, and now at Barcelona. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments. Always great to hear from you here on Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, now let's go to our European football expert Stuart Weir in the UK, and、uh, let's start with Nottingham Forest、uh, club legend Steve Cooper, their manager, fired.、Uh, what do you make of this, Stuart? I was really sad to hear that Forest fired Steve Cooper, but I suppose it was inevitable after only one win and thirteen games, and Forest just one place above relegation, and of course losing five nil at Fulham last week didn't help. But the irony is that Cooper will go down in Nottingham Forest history, because appointed in September 21 with Forest bottom of the Championship, and from there he took them into the playoffs and into the Premier League. In his first season, last season, Forest were 16th, four points above safety. In the summer, Forest sold Brennan Johnson, arguably their best player last season, to Tottenham, and none of their signings. Seem to have had a great impact, and the problem has just been goals. Seventeen goals in seventeen games is not enough to win many matches. Now the replacement is Nuno, who was successful in four seasons at Wolves, but then was very surprisingly fired. He was Tottenham manager for just seventeen games in 2021 before being fired again. And his last job was Al Attihad in Saudi Arabia. Where he won the league in his first season and then was fired six months later. Will he get more out of the Forest squad than Cooper did? Is the big question, or will he be allowed to bring in new players in January? And he did well at Wolves, but he did it with a largely Portuguese team. And will he want to bring in Portuguese players? Lots of questions. Forest's Christmas games are home to Bournemouth, away to Newcastle. And home to Manchester United, it'll be fascinating to see Steve. Yeah, so we'll see how、uh, Nuno does then uh, at uh, Nottingham Forest.、Uh, so exciting at the other end of the table, at the top,、uh, Liverpool playing Arsenal this weekend, and uh, uh, a very uh, much talked about game last、uh, Sunday, the goalless draw between Liverpool and、uh, Man United, Stuart. Well, not many people would have predicted a score of nil-nil. Remember, last year it was seven-nil to Liverpool. Liverpool dominated possession, 69%, and they had 34 attempts on goal. Liverpool had so much possession, but actually created very few clear-cut chances, and most of those 34 goal attempts were long-distance shots, often blocked by defenders before they got anywhere near the goalkeeper. And arguably, the two best chances of the game fell to Manchester United, with Allison saving from Hoyland and Trent Alexander-Arnold making a last-ditch tackle. When Garnacho was through on goal, there was an attendance of fifty-seven thousand 
with the new Anfield Road stand in use for the first time. And it was a good game for Andre Onana, the under-pressure goalkeeper, who kept a clean sheet, obviously. And I just got to mention 35-year-old Johnny Evans. We've talked about him before. Uh, at the beginning of this season, he was without a club, asked his old club, Manchester United, if he could train with them until he found a club. And he finished up not only getting a contract, but playing regularly. After the game, Virgil van Dijk said there was only one team in the game trying to win. And Roy Keane responded to that by saying he was arrogant and someone should remind him that Liverpool have won the league once in 30 years. Keane, of course, won the Premier League seven times with Manchester United. But it was a disappointing result for Liverpool, who now drop below Arsenal, and they play Arsenal this weekend. But following their disastrous 3-0 home defeat to Bournemouth, it was a solid result for Manchester United, despite their poor form, are still in seventh. Yeah, it's uh, going to be an exciting game, uh, hopefully, uh, the game between Liverpool and Arsenal. Um, so what about Manchester City, Stuart? Uh, they keep on dropping points. Well, they were cruising to victory over Crystal Palace, two up with 15 minutes left, but then a penalty five minutes into stoppage time gave Palace a draw. And City are now five points behind leaders Arsenal but I think they were behind last season and they shocked us by coming through so don't write them off. Aston Villa remained third one point behind Arsenal after a hard-fought victory at Brentford. Brentford led 1-0 at half time with all the action coming in the second half. Brentford manager Thomas Frank always strikes me as being a very reasonable person speaking in a rational way and after the game he said the defeat was hard to take because he felt it hinged on three big decisions that went against them. Neil Mopé was through on goal, tackled from behind, and the referee ruled no penalty. And there was another possible penalty incident. And then Brentford defender Ben Mee launched into a tackle and was given a yellow card by the referee, who had a clear view of what happened. But VAR upgraded the card to red. So playing against 10 men for the last 20 minutes, Brentford were unable to hold out and Villa scored twice to win 2-1. And the other remarkable thing about the second half was that the referee showed two red cards, one to me and one to Villa's Camara, and 10 yellow cards. Extraordinary. Ollie Watkins, a former Brentford player, scored the winning goal. And when he did so, he went and stood in front of one particular Brentford fan to celebrate. In an after-match interview, he said that that particular individual had been shouting abuse at him all game long, and while he was happy to ignore the odd comment, he was not prepared to put up with consistent abusive language throughout the, the game, and the police, we understand, are investigating. Arsenal went top with a 2-0 win over Brighton, and Kai Havertz scored. Now, that's three goals for Havertz in his last five league games, after one in his first 12. Now, people like to talk about Newcastle buying success with their Saudi money, but two of their goals were scored by local lads. Lewis Miley, just 17, but he's already started five Premier League games this season and got his first goal. And defender Dan Byrne also scored. Born just up the road from Newcastle, he played for seven other clubs before being signed by his local team three years ago. There was a disturbing incident in the Bournemouth-Luton game 
With the score 1-1, the Luton Town captain, Tom Lockyer, collapsed on the pitch. He'd had a cardiac arrest. Thankfully, he had recovered in hospital. Luton gained their Premier League status by winning the playoff on penalty last May. And during that penalty shootout, Lockyer also collapsed, but he made a complete recovery from that. But with a second cardiac arrest in seven months, it seems unlikely that he will play again. You may recall, Steve, that Christian Eriksen had a similar experience during the European Championship, and under Italian football regulations, he was not allowed to play in Italy again, resulting in him joining first Brentford and then Manchester United. And questions are being asked whether the Premier League should have stricter regulations on players with heart conditions. With no Christmas break in the Premier League, Steve, most clubs will play three times in the next ten days. Liverpool second in the league, at home to Arsenal, the league leaders. That's late Saturday afternoon. Then there's Wolves-Chelsea, lunchtime on Christmas Eve. 26th of December, there are five games with four different kickoff times, with the standout game, Manchester United, at home to Aston Villa. Three games on Wednesday the 27th, and a full programme again next New Year's weekend. If you like Premier League football, you will not be bored over the holiday period. Yeah, a feast of uh, football over the holidays uh, for us to enjoy. And the EFL Cup, the quarterfinals were on uh, midweek. We're at the semi-final stage now, Stuart. Yes, it will be Middlesbrough against Chelsea and Liverpool against Fulham in the semi-finals over two legs in January. Liverpool beat West Ham 5-1, Fulham beat Everton in a penalty shootout and Middlesbrough from the Championship have also qualified. Now the fourth team is Chelsea, who were unlikely winners over Newcastle United. Newcastle led from the 16th minute until beyond 90 minutes and then it all went wrong for Kieran Trippier and all went right for Chelsea's Mudrick. First, Trippier, attempting to head the ball back to his goalkeeper, only headed it straight to Mudrick, who equalised. And then in the penalty shootout, Trippier, a dead ball specialist, shot wide with his penalty, leaving Mudrick to score the winning penalty for Chelsea. A desperate disappointment for Newcastle, who had controlled the game and came so close to winning. Steve, we mentioned Lewis Miley scoring for Newcastle United, aged 17 years, 229 days old. I was looking at the 10 youngest ever Premier League scorers. The youngest is James Vaughan, who scored for Everton in 2005 when he was just 16. But he only started eight games for Everton after that and played mainly in the lower divisions. And there are 14 players who've scored in the Premier League before their 18th birthday. And those who've gone on to have a successful career include James Milner, Wayne Rooney, both scoring at 16, Cesc Fabregas, Michael Owen, Raheem Sterling and Danny Welbeck. But only six of the 14 really made it in the Premier League. Interesting how some people start well and just don't continue. Interesting, so not all of the teenagers uh, go on to make it. Um, now, Stuart, we talked about the FIFA Club World Cup earlier on in the show. Um, I guess we'll say um, moderate to low amount of interest uh, around Africa with the FIFA Club World Cup. Uh, how about in Europe? Oh, is there a Club World Cup this week? Um, I ha- honestly, it has passed me by. There's nothing in our newspapers about it. And uh, I think uh, it's it, on an obscure TV channel. But... 
For me, it's an irrelevance. And it gets worse because from 2025, there's going to be a 32-club World Cup. Chelsea will be one of the English clubs invited because based on wins in the Champions League, they qualify, not current form. <laughs> Let's hope they're still in the Premier League when it comes around. And I'm afraid it's another of Infantino's mad schemes, like holding the World Cup in three countries and having 48 teams in it. I am totally with the CEO of the English Professional Footballers Association, who said that this new competition will make ridiculous demands on players and that having yet another summer tournament shows that any expression of concern for player welfare is merely a pretense. It's all about money, Steve. Well, yes, strong views, and uh, there are many critics uh, of the FIFA Club World Cup, especially in uh, the uh, upcoming expanded version in 2025. Thanks very much, Stuart. Uh, One other quick story from the English Premier League. Rebecca Welch will make history on Saturday when Fulham hosts Burnley as the first woman to referee an English Premier League match. Uh, Welch, uh, back in November, became the first woman to be appointed as a fourth official. That was in the Manchester United-Fulham game. Uh, She's also officiated in the Championship this year and it was at the Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand so uh, Rebecca Welch uh, making history that'll be this Saturday and uh, before we go many countries now in the festive season and uh, from the team here at Planet Sport Football Africa we hope that you and your family have kept safe and well this year and at this coming Monday along with many around the world we'll be celebrating Christmas a special time for followers of Jesus Christ and one of the names of Jesus is the Prince of Peace so to all of our friends whether you follow one particular faith or none we wish you a very happy and peaceful Christmas we look forward to your company in 2024 here on planet sport football africa i'll be back next week with our last show of 2023 so from me steve vickers in zimbabwe from ida waringa and from Stuart weir thanks a lot for listening and planet sport football africa is a passion for sport production